Thank you, Miss Pat. We find the strength to press on. We was talking about in Sunday school, we don't have to let our, our mess-ups mess us up. Amen? Right. Brother Jim Pickett shared that uh, verse with me out of Philippians yesterday morning. He sends out text and we communicate on a daily basis. And he had shared that particular passage with me and, and we got to talking about that, about how we don't need to let our, uh, our guilt go ungraced. It needs to be graced by uh, the goodness of the Lord and, and that shame that the enemy wants to hold you down. Guilt wants to keep you down. But when you let your guilt and your shame be graced, you can be set free. And our mess-ups, because I don't know, how many of y'all got mess-ups? Your mess-ups don't have to mess you up. Matter of fact, other people's mess-ups don't have to mess you up. Amen? Amen. You can let, let Jesus deal with it. And when he does, he helps us. Not that we are forget the past, but the past, Brother Shannon, won't manipulate us anymore. The past won't manipulate us anymore. How many of you tried to forget things that's happened in your past? Amen. And you try, but you just can't forget it. You can't, you can't. Matter of fact, God says that, that it's not that we have to forget things to move on. That's not the key. We have a prize. We have a goal. We have something better. And our past that we've gone through is not to manipulate our future. Even though you don't forget it, we have something better. We have something greater. We have more blessings than we have to worry about what our past has been like. And there's too many times that we can find ourselves playing the pity party or being the victim and not letting what God has for us in the prize lead us. We keep looking back to the past. And I want to tell you, we want to look to Jesus, amen? And keep walking with him. So take your Bible, if you would today, your Bible, and turn to Matthew chapter number 14. We are in our nesting with Jesus. We have been on a long journey through the scriptures over the last uh, nine years of doing nesting with Jesus. You know, we've been out here with y'all for nine years now. And uh, this, this season, it was in, what, October, November, the first time we came out for the first Sunday and filling in and started working with y'all and God worked it out that we would be able to be with y'all and, and, and shepherd and, and work and y'all been such a lovely blessing to us and I pray we've been a major help to you. But since then, we've been going through our nesting with Jesus. That means we've covered a lot. We've covered the entire scriptures. And a lot of places we've done gone over, what, four, five, six, ten, twelve times over the years. And what have we learned? We've learned out of Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4, it says those things which were written aforetime in the past were written for our learning and admonition. God's gave us the Word of God, kept it together for us, so that we through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And we might have hope. The Word of God builds hope in us. And what we do in all actuality, very similar to the situation that we find Jesus in on that day out in the desert when he has a multitude of people that have come to hear him teach. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus was moved with compassion because he was aware that these people were like sheep without a... They needed a shepherd. They needed someone to lead them to green pastures, to lead them 
to the still waters. They needed someone to prepare a table before them in the presence of their enemies. They needed someone to lead them in the path of righteousness for the glory of God's sake. And he recognized that. He was aware of it. But he was also, he had an affection for them. The scripture says that he was moved with compassion toward them. And then he acted. How did he act? He began to teach them things of the kingdom of God, things that could transform their lives, things that could change them. And the things that he began to teach, we are no doubt, were things that he pulled from the Older Testament days and brought to light in what they meant and how things were to live. We've already learned that as we've been going through Matthew, how how he said this on numerous occasions, for you have heard it said, but I say unto you. I'm thankful for Jesus being my teacher, amen? Amen. Because I don't know about y'all, but I've heard some messed up things in my life. But the messed up things that I've heard in my life don't have to mess me up today because i got a better teacher today. Amen? Amen. That can guide me and lead me. And he has compassion for me. And he has compassion for us. And the scriptures tell us, y'all, that first Sunday that I came out with y'all, Sunday morning, y'all didn't know me. I didn't know y'all. We was in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 3, I believe it was where the scripture says that when God's people turn from doing life their way and turn and look to Jesus to do life his way and put their trust and confidence in him, God says, I promise you, I'll give you shepherds that will lead you and teach you in knowledge and understanding of who I am. And I want to tell you, God is, he wants to teach us, amen? Amen. He wants to shepherd our lives. And here we are in this situation where it says in verse number 13, let's read here, we're talking about Matthew 14, 13. The Bible says, When Jesus heard it, he had departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, after a full long day, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. So how many do we estimate that could have been out there that day that Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish, pretty much a sack lunch, because they got it from a little boy. Y'all remember the little lad? And in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel and John's gospel, we read about this story and they tell us how they found this. Remember they searched the crowd and nobody had anything to eat except a little boy. And that little boy willingly gave it over to him, and all he had was a little sack lunch. He had a little bread and a a few fish. He gave it over to the Lord. 
And then the Lord did something miraculous with it. Now, what do we find in that passage there? Something that, that has helped me and encourages me. I want to talk with you today simply about borrowed bread. Borrowed bread. Because that's really what took place that day. These disciples borrowed bread from this little boy, but the bread they borrowed, they put it in the right hands. And the right hands done something with that borrowed bread. Now, as we ponder that, you just think about some of the things we've learned in our nesting with Jesus over the last few years. We learned about what happened at the flood when God spoke to Noah that day and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and God moved upon him. He spoke life into him and he told him that he was going to do something and Noah moved with fear and out of faith he began to prepare an ark for the saving of his own household and we watched God do the miraculous. Noah built that ark. He trusted God with it. What have we said about that ark in the past? That ark had no what? It had no anchor. No rudder. It had no rudder. And it had no sail. So that's why it was an ark. It couldn't have been a boat or a ship. Had it had a rudder, had it had sails, and had it had an anchor, it would have been a ship. But it wasn't a ship. It was an ark. It was a safe place. So therefore, because it didn't have a rudder and it didn't have a... Uh, sails and it didn't have an anchor Mr. Bud Noah had to trust God didn't he in that torrential rain he had to depend totally upon the mercy of God he got in that ark God sealed the door the floods came God destroyed the earth he started all over with just Noah and his family Noah still had a problem though Noah still had a messed up heart didn't he a messed up mind he still thought things the wrong way, acted the wrong way, did things the wrong way. We see that right off the bat. What one of the first things Noah did? He sacrificed to the Lord, he celebrated, and he wound up getting drunk. Y'all remember? He got drunk, he exposed his nakedness to the to the world, and what happened through all that? A curse fell, didn't it, on that day? On one of his grandsons, a curse fell. Well, when we think about these things. We see God's faithfulness to provide for His people. What are some other things that we learned? Thank you, Dab. That Dab is something else, ain't he? Go-to man. He's a go-to man. Get it done. Think about that for a moment. What are some other things we see that God did supernaturally? took ordinary things and turned it into something extraordinary. Remember at the Red Sea when the children of Israel were standing with a, when an army behind them Pharaoh and his army, full of chariots, full of soldiers, coming to overtake them. And they've got a sea before them. God spoke to Moses and he said, Moses, lift up your rod and see the salvation of the Lord. And Noah spoke to the people that day and the Bible says the sea parted. The ground was dry. And the children of Israel, how many, we don't know, but probably several million of them walked across that dry ground that day. Pharaoh's army pursued them and followed them into the sea. And then when they all got on on the other side, Rusty, God released the sea and it all fell upon Pharaoh and his army and destroyed the people of Egypt or the armies of Egypt that day. That took something that was natural and done something supernatural with it. There was another time dealing with water. Remember when Joshua was about to cross the Jordan River 
And they were going into the promised land to receive the blessings that God had given them. And they come to the Jordan. And the Bible says that they would act in faith and just simply follow God's lead. And soon as the priests put their foot in the water, what happened to the water? The scripture says the river turned back. The river turned back and the people of Israel walked across the Jordan River on dry ground that day. I think about other times that we read about. I think about that prophet. Remember when he asked God to open the eyes of one of his servants? And when he opened the eyes of his servants, he looked up in the mountaintops and he saw that there were angels in chariots of fire. And there were more angels and more chariots of fire burning in the mountains surrounding the prophet than they were the army of the king of Syria who was coming to overthrow them. That's taking the natural and doing something supernatural with it. Not only that, they walked out in the courtyard that day and the prophet not only opened the eyes of the servant, but he closed the eyes of the army and he blinded the entire army. They didn't even know where they were at, didn't know who they were dealing with. The very man they was looking for, they did not know. See, God uses natural things and turns them something in the supernatural. Remember when that prophet doing a famine needed to be fed and God took ravens? Old blackbirds, old crows, bone. And those crows went and found meat, edible meat, and they brought it to the prophet while he was at the brook Cherith. Y'all remember that? And then all of a sudden the brook dried up and God told him to go find a widow. And when he came to the widow, the widow was preparing a meal for her and her son to die, right? And he said, go ahead and prepare something for me. She took what she had prepared and she had enough for her household and him for the rest of the famine. God taking something simple, little, and turned it into something extraordinary. Just like he took those five loaves and those two fish. Remember that widow that had a debt that the people were going to come? He was a prophet and he owed a debt and he died and he wasn't able to pay his debt off. And the prophet came to her. And he said, what do you have? He said, I just got a little bit of oil in there. He said, well, go find as many vessels as you could possibly find. Go get as many, as many vessels that you can find, and you start pouring that. When you get them, go in your house, shut your door, and start pouring the oil that you have. And when the oil, when you run out of vessels, you'll run out of oil. And sure enough, she filled all those vessels up. I believe she'd still be filling vessels up today if she would have had enough. Amen. Amen. Why? Because God takes simple little things in life and turns them into something extraordinary. You know, when we read about things like this, you know what we do? And it's like borrowed bread. We borrow in bread from what somebody, what God did with somebody else at another day. And that bread is doing something in our life. And when we turn it over to Jesus and let Jesus do something with it, it's no different than those, those five loaves of bread and those two fish. It's able to feed a lot of people Amen. when we just live off a little ball of bread. I think about that manna. Y'all remember that manna when it fell in the wilderness? God feeding people, that's nothing for God to do. He does that all the time. Amen. Yeah. God meets our needs. He'll take care of us. I don't know anybody that leads, feeds, and meets the needs of his people more than Jesus. Better than Jesus. He fed them manna. But what did he say about that manna? They had a particular way they had to collect the manna. And if they collect too much to eat more, what was going to happen to the manna? It'll rot. 
But think about this situation, the difference between the law in that day and the difference with grace today. And I read, and the scripture says that he took those five loaves and those two fishes, and it says everybody ate as much as they wanted to eat. They were slapped full of eating. There was no limitations on what they could eat. And they still had leftovers afterwards. And it didn't rot. They took up 12 baskets of it. The difference of when they was walking through the wilderness under the law. Now here comes Jesus under grace and he's giving them an abundance and it's just overflowing. Have all you want. Eat as much as you want and you're still going to have enough left over. Amen. Amen. See, that's just what he does. He takes natural things. And he turns them into something supernatural, ordinary things like bread and like fish and just turns them into something that is extraordinary. They borrowed some bread and some fish and they gave it to Jesus. See, when you borrow something, and really that, that's what, what goes on in our life every day. You know, we're borrowing from one another. We're borrowing from things from the past. We're borrowing from each other. Jeremiah says it like this. Take your spot, hold your spot there and go to Jeremiah chapter number 10. Look in Jeremiah 10. I want you to see this passage. 10.23. Jeremiah comes to the conclusion in Jeremiah 10.23 this is what he, he began to ponder he thought about this and he recognized in his own life that he didn't get to where he was by himself he's borrowed a lot in his past he's borrowed from other people he's borrowed from others and he's going to continue to borrow. And he says in verse number 23, 10:23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. You know, that simply is saying that every single one of us, all of us, every one of us has been influenced by someone or something in our past. And influenced by people in our present. It's not in Tommy to, to even know the way that he walks. Somebody helped Tommy, taught Tommy, learned Tommy, educated Tommy. Somebody helped me and has given me uh, the, the insight to be able to do what I do. I may not do it as good as the next man does it. But somebody else helped that man do what he does. Or that woman do what they do. None of us have gotten to where we've gotten by ourselves. Y'all know there's really, what, what Jeremiah is saying, there's none of us as independent as we think we are. You ever get that away where you just think you're your own man, doing your own thing, going your own way? Well, Jeremiah gives us a little insight. None of us are as independent thinkers as we really think we are. We've all been influenced. Logan has been influenced by people. Brother Shannon, myself, Mr. Bud, we've all been influenced by our parents. We've been influenced by our society. We've been influenced by our culture. We've been influenced by our community. We've been influenced by our, our preachers. We've been influenced by the Word of God. And he's simply saying that all of us have borrowed from others. All of us. 
There's none of us that stands in here today that can say that we've come up to the place where we are by ourselves. Nor do we know how to take the next step by ourselves. Somebody let us borrow something from them for us to take the next step in life. Are you with me? Now the key is, is this. What are we going to do with what we borrowed? See, when we, when we take what we borrowed and we bring it to Jesus. And what we borrowed is like what Jesus did with that bread that day. It's blessable. He blessed it. It's breakable that he can use it. And then what we find is that he, he took that, that, that very bread and it becomes shareable when we bring it to the right person. None of us can feed the people of God except from borrowing from somebody else. Amen. We just need to bring it to him so that he can bless what we borrowed, break what we borrowed, and then share what we borrowed with other people. Amen? Think about that for a moment. Leading and shepherding your own children, leading and shepherding those on the, on the job in the community, uh, leading and shepherding a, a community or church, we're, we're, all, we're all borrowing bread. We're all borrowing fish. We just need to bring it to Jesus. Amen. Let Jesus bless it. Let Jesus break it. Let Jesus share it. And it makes a difference in people's lives. He took something so small and so insignificant but because it was blessed, because it was broken, and because it was shareable, what did he do? He fed probably fifteen or 20,000 people that day with just five loaves and two fish. You see, it doesn't take a whole lot for Jesus to do a lot with it. You just need to give it to him. I need to give it to him. Amen? Amen. There's a few things that we need to look at, though. Think about this bread for a moment. It was, it was edible. If you're going to give it to Jesus, it needs to be edible. It needs to be consumable. It needs to be usable. It was usable. They took that bread, those fish. It was blessable. It was breakable. And it was shareable. He could share it with others. And we got to remember that. We want to give him things that are acceptable, usable. Things that he can break and distribute. Things that he don't mind blessing and when he does that, then it's shareable. And if it's shareable, it's going to have an influence on somebody else. Amen. So what we find, this helps me in this story about him feeding these people. Why? How many of you want to feed people with the things of God? Amen. How many of you think that, well, I don't have a whole lot that he can use to feed? Does it take a whole lot? Did it take a whole lot that day? Doesn't take a whole lot if it's edible. Or usable, if it's blessable, if it's breakable, and if it's shareable, it doesn't take much at all. So I need to realize this. I need to realize, number one, that Jesus is enough. Number two, I need to realize I am enough in Jesus. Number three, I need to realize I have enough in Jesus to be usable. And number four, I simply need to realize that we have enough 
together in Jesus to be usable. It doesn't take a whole lot for him. He just needs it in his hands. He just needs to bless it so that he can break it so that we can share it. Amen? Amen. You don't have to have a whole lot. It doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take a lot of food. It doesn't take a lot of, a, a lot of knowledge. It just takes a vessel that's willing to be broken so that it can be shared, that God can use us to have an influence on a few or a multitude if that's what he chooses. Amen? Amen. Doesn't take a whole lot. Why? Because God, number one, he can do whatever he wants with his own creation, can't he? He can sure make it stretch. I can remember when Elizabeth got married, we was kind of surprised. I know I've shared these things with some of you before. Some of you have never heard it before. But when her and Christopher got married, before these little bitty ones come along, we planned a wedding for about 250. That was our, our goal. Well, God seen fit and showed these kids favor and had anywhere from 500 to 600 show up. We prepared. When I say prepared, that means we did the cooking now. We cooked and prepared food for 250. At the wedding was supposed to start, was it at 2 o'clock? At 2 o'clock, the pianist and Emma are in there playing. And my sister-in-law comes in and lets everybody know that, look, there's a line outside the church. That people, there's a line way outside the church. It's 2 o'clock. We don't even have half of them in the church yet. We're gonna have to, we're gonna, you're going to have to keep playing until we get them all seated. They're asking me, should we start even though we hadn't got everybody seated? So no, we need to let everybody get seated. We'll just have to start it late. The whole time, in my mind, I'm thinking, I know how many brisket I cooked. <laughs> I know how many rolls we had. I knew how many desserts we had. Stephanie and them got together in the back with my mom and them, and my mom was taking care of the food stuff. And they prayed and asked God to do a miracle and make it, make it go, make it last, that it would feed everybody. And we went through the whole thing, had the reception. We fed everybody. Everybody ate as much as they want. Everybody had as much as they want. Everybody went back and got as much as they want. And you know what? We carried brisket and everything else home for days. Amen. We had way more than what we thought we had. Not because we brought more than we thought we had, but God stretched more than what we had. Are you Amen. with me? Come on. He helped us. Praise God. He helped us. But you know, it's not just cooking for weddings. It's not just uh, feeding this or that. You know what people on the streets and the highways and byways just need today? They just need people who, who will smile at them, who will be kind to them, who will be gentle with them. You know, we live in a society today, everybody's just so protective of one another and they're afraid of everything. And we live in an unsettled, disturbed society that everybody's on edge and everybody's looking for somebody to take advantage of them and to hurt them. So everybody's protective. And when they come across somebody that is unusually kind, that goes overboard with, with just being gentle and kind and patient with them, it shocks them. Are you with me? It shocks them. Just talk with those cashiers when you're in the stores and talk with people around you. Just be kind to people. Smile at people. Wow, there's a lot of people that are hurting and hungry right now. Amen. And they're a long way from home, per se, like these folks out in the desert. 
as these disciples knew that they needed a little food to be taken care of, but Jesus said, "Late, just use what you got. Well, we, on, we only have, y'all, I don't know if y'all picked that up or not, but they said, we only have, we only have, Jesus never considers the only. Because he can take the only and make it into something that's way beyond what anybody ever imagined. Are you with me? So use what you got. Use your smile. Use your, your charm. Use the grace God's put in you. Use things to help people out in this world that we live in because there's a lot of people that are hurting right now that are on edge. And they just don't know what it's like for somebody to be gentle and kind and patient with them. They tore up on the inside. They may look like they have it all together. Y'all ever come across people that just look like they had it all together? But the more you got to know about them, I mean, they were really messed up on the inside because they letting their mess-ups keep messing them up. They need somebody who has learned that our mess-ups don't have to mess us up for the rest of our life. We borrowed some bread from others that's helped us deal with our mess-ups. Are you with me? Give it over to Jesus. Let him bless it. Yes. Let him break it up. And let him share it through your life. And I want to tell you, you'll feed a few folks, amen? Amen. You'll help a few people. And just because people look sharp and they look clean and they look all together doesn't mean that they are. I imagine some of you sitting in here today on the inside are, 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 are torn and ripped and, 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 and under distress and unsettled about some things. Well, I want to encourage you and let you know that Jesus can take whatever you have and he can turn it into something really good and he can bless it and he can use it. Tainted love. Give it over to him. God will teach you how to love people. He's good at it. Amen. He'll teach you how to lay your life down. He'll teach you how to love your wife or you wives love your husband. He'll teach you. Just give him what you got, Hambucci. That's all you got to do. And trust him. You got anger? Give it over to him. He can turn that anger into something that is usable, something that is blessable, something that is what? Breakable. Something that is shareable. And don't let the appearance of people fool you. Because even like me today, I know you're looking at me and you're thinking, boy, that preacher sure looks sharp today. But the preacher's all messed up underneath. He's all messed up underneath. Like a lot of people we come across. We can hide it, can't we? It's easy, Rusty, isn't it? It's easy, Brother Shannon. To hide it, to keep it away, but we don't have to. We can take our bread, we can take our fish, and we can give it to Jesus. Amen. Watch him multiply it, amen. Let him use it. Let him do a work in you today that you and I will be able to help other people see the work of God's grace in their life. They don't need their guilt and their shame to go ungraced. They just don't know about it the way you know about it. Go let them know what you know. You don't have to explain it all. Just get them to him who can explain it and let him work in their hearts. Amen? Amen. Let your life be consumable or usable 
blessable, breakable, and something that he can share with the world around us. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for uh, your wonder and your work and your grace in our lives. We're thankful that uh, you help us and do things for us that we just cannot do for ourselves. We're grateful for the fact that uh, you love us in spite of us and that our mess-ups don't have to continually mess us up in life. You have an answer for us. And we believe you and we trust you and we want to give ourselves to you so that we can be used by you to feed our families, to feed our church, to feed our community, to feed the multitudes, however you see fit to do it. We don't want to look at what we have as being limiting us with you because in your hands it's more than enough. With you it's more than enough. For you are enough. And we praise you for that. We're thankful. In Jesus' name, we ask you now to help us deal with these things and turn them over to you. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Greg, thank you for leading us today, brother, stepping in for last minute. For Brother Bill, y'all pray for Brother Greg. He's had a, a tooth giving him trouble and uh, over the last couple of days. It is feeling a little better today. And uh, so y'all continue to remember him. And, and uh, how many of y'all have ever had a tooth go get bad on you and hurt you. Mm -hmm. It caused you a lot of pain. We talked about it in Sunday school. Scripture says if you put confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble, it's like a bad tooth or a foot out of joint. It's eventually going to cause you trouble and cause you pain. So that's just things that we can learn and be uh, used in our own personal life that we, we don't want to put confidence in, in unfaithful people. It's only going to hurt you in the end.